Welcome to the New Grace Sermon Podcast. Our church exists so people experience new life in Christ. We invite you to connect with us on social media at newgrace.cc, on Facebook and Instagram. For more information about our church or to support us financially, visit newgrace.cc. I want you to take your Bible and go to the book of Haggai. It is the third to last book in your Old Testament, Haggai. Haggai. And chapter number two. If you can't find it, just open your Bible somewhere in the middle and nobody will know the difference. Pull it up on your phone. I'll also have it on the screen for your reading. Haggai chapter two. A prophecy comes through the prophet Haggai from the Lord because the Jewish people were very hesitant about going forward with the building project of the temple. They were rebuilding the temple at the word of the Lord and they, were, they lived under fear and dread of the world power at that time, which was the Medo-Persian Empire. But the Bible says that God gives the prophet a word to speak to the people and the leadership. And he says in verse number one, in the seventh month, in the one and twentieth day of the month, came the word of the Lord by the prophet Haggai, saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah. Also deliver this word, look what he said, to Joshua, the son of Hosedek, the high priest, and to the residue of the people. I want you to say this. I want you to pose this question to my people, the Lord says. Who is left among you that saw this house in her first glory? And how do you see it now? Is it not in your eyes in comparison of it as nothing? Now see, in physical contrast, this temple that they are rebuilding does not compare to the previous temple that Solomon constructed. It did not have the same size. It did not have the same splendor. And so the people were discouraged in heart by what they were seeing with their eyes. Because to what they could see, what they had was not going to be as glorious as what they had before. But I want you to look at verse number nine. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than of the former. I'm going to read that again. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than of the former. Woo! I'm going to read it one more time. The glory of this latter house, the, the, the one that is being built, the one that is being established, the one that is coming, the glory of this latter house shall be greater than of the former, saith the Lord of hosts. The Lord through the prophet was saying, it's about to get better. What is coming is about to be greater. God was saying through Haggai, and here is my title, the best is yet to come. If you believe that this morning, I need somebody to clap your hands and give the Lord some praise. 
for the leaders, for the congregation, and even the temple itself, ladies and gentlemen, the best was yet to come. Bible prophecy is a rather complex thing in the Word of God. For sometimes biblical prophecy will blend events and bend time. And what I mean by that is sometimes a prophecy can speak of something that's in the immediate or something that's delayed or something that's far off in the distant future. But when it talks about those events or those happenings, sometimes it will blend the events and it will bend time as to not account for it. So you will have something that is being spoken by the Lord through a prophet and it will be something that's going to happen immediately, something that's going to happen with delay, or something that could happen decades, centuries, or even millennium off from what is being said. Hence, we see this with the blessing of Abraham's seed. We see this with Daniel's vision of the Antichrist. We see this specifically in Matthew chapter 24 that we've preached on here over the last couple of weeks where Jesus gives us some prophecy regarding some things that are going to happen after he leaves the planet. Some of those things happened immediately. Some of those things happened with a delay. And many of those things are happening so far in the distant future, they haven't even happened yet in our lifetime. And that is what we see with Haggai's prophecy right here. There was going to be a a short-term fulfillment, and there was going to be a long-term fulfillment. In fact, what God was actually pointing to was the soon collapse of the Persian Empire because they would be conquered by the Grecians. The Grecians would later be conquered by the Romans. But this prophecy encompasses so much more than the immediate and the delayed. And in the same way that it has its application to the Jewish leaders here in this prophecy, it has its rightful application to you and I today. I want you to notice the sequence and the order to this prophecy and its application are very important. Look at verse number six quickly. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, yet once. God is saying, look, I have done this before, and I'm about to do it again. He says, yet once, it is a little while. How many of you agree that a little while to us can be a long while to God? Come on, God doesn't keep a calendar. He doesn't wear a watch. He doesn't have any alarm set. Come on, somebody. It can be a long while for us because while the fulfillment can be immediate, it can be delayed, and it can be in the distant future. Notice what he says. I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations, and the desire of all nations shall come, and I will fill this house with glory, saith the Lord of hope. Watch this. I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. God says that he will do a shaking work. Write that down, a shaking work. And what I feel like God has put in my spirit is to preach part one today. I'm only going to preach this one point. And I'm going to break it down into the subpoints that I have. But I'm going to preach point one today. And then next Sunday, we're going to finish this sermon. And we're going to end on a high note with the Holy Spirit taking our church to another level. You believe that this morning? Somebody say amen. amen. According to the prophecy and its rightful application, God says he is going to do a shaking work. Now, the word shake in verse number six and verse number seven is the Hebrew word ra'ah. Ash, ra'ah ash, and it means to be shaken, to quake, to tremble, or to be moved. And the Hebrew word ra'ah ash appears 30 times in the Old Testament. Now, 30 is rather significant in biblical numerology because 30 represents maturity, completion, and dedication. 
It's interesting that the priests, after the order of Aaron, were called into service at the age of 30 because the Hebrew people believed that 30 was the age of maturity and readiness. At the age of 30, Joseph became second in command to the Pharaoh of Egypt. At the age of 30, Saul and David both started to reign as king. Ezekiel had his first prophecy, or rather vision, at the age of 30. John the Baptist started his earthly ministry at the age of 30. And guess who else started their earthly ministry at the age of 30? The Lord Jesus Christ. God gave me a word for you this morning. God told me to tell you that he will shake things until they are ready. God will shake his people until they are ready. We have a God who is dedicated to shaking things until they reach a level of completion, maturity, and readiness. And God right now wants to shake you until you are ready for what is coming. Make no mistake, ladies and gentlemen, it is the Lord himself who says, I will do the shaking. He says, I will shake. Listen to me. What you're going through, what season we are in, what has happened, listen to me, listen to me. This is not mere circumstances. It is not an accident. It is not happenstance. But this is none other than us feeling the grip of Almighty God, and he is taking our church, and he is taking every one of us into a season of shaking. And God told me to tell you that there will be nothing or nobody that will go unaware, unaffected, unwavered, and unchanged when God begins to shake things. I want you to follow along with me quickly, and I want you to look at some ways, and I'm just setting you up. I'm setting you up. I want you to stay with me. I promise you I'm going somewhere. I want you to look at some ways God said he was going to shake through Haggai's prophecy. The first thing he said, he would shake the heavens. God has shaken the heavens before, and he prophesies right here through the prophet that he will shake the heavens once again. God shook the heavens when he became a cloud and a pillar there in the book of Exodus. He shook the heavens when he poured out Elijah's rain. He shook the heavens with the Bethlehem star and the angels that spoke to Mary and the shepherds. He shook the heavens when Jesus died on the cross and all of the horizon and the sky was blanketed with darkness. He shook the heavens when he ascended in Acts chapter 1. He, he, he shakes the heavens at the day of Pentecost when he unleashes the power of a mighty rushing wind and the Holy Spirit fills all the 120 in the upper room where they were praying and they were baptized in the Holy Spirit and he also will shake the heavens again. Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 24 and Luke chapter 21 that there will be cosmic disturbances in the last day where the sun will not give its shine and the earth will not give its light and the stars of heaven will fall from the sky. There will be a shaking in the heaven when Jesus appears as lightning that flashes from the east to the west and he descends down from the heavens, down from the sky and God one day in the final chapter of all of time and history, God will shake the heavens once again where all of the heaven will be rolled up like a scroll and God will usher in a new heaven and a new earth. If you're looking forward to the day where God makes all things new, somebody give him praise in the house. He says, I will shake the heavens. I will shake the earth. God has shaken the earth and he will shake it. He was shaking it before. He will shake it again. He says, I have shaken the earth. And he says, I shook the land and I shook the dry sea. 
God shook the world when he shook up the ground and gave forth to the way of Noah's flood. He shook the Red Sea when he parted the waters asunder, divided them like a heap in a wall where Israel went through on dry ground. He shook the earth when he gave water out of a rock to feed or to thirst, or rather to quench the thirst of those Israelites in the wilderness. He shook the earth at the resurrection when the Bible says that graves opened up all over Jerusalem and the dead became alive. And in the end, the Bible tells us in the last days there will be earthquakes in diverse places, but there will be no quake that will ever happen on our planet like the final one when Jesus descends. When he comes down in Zechariah, Zechariah said that when he comes to the Mount of Olives and the moment his foot touches the top of the Mount of Olives, it's going to split in two and there's going to be a valley that runs right into Jerusalem. We've never seen an earthquake like we're going to see there when the coming of the king takes place. God shakes the heavens. God shakes the earth. Stay with me. I'm almost there. He also says, I will shake the nations. God has before shaken the nations and he will shake them once again. He shook the nations when he discomfited them at Babel. He shook the nation of Egypt with the plagues and the death of the firstborn when the blood was sprinkled to the doorpost. He shook the nations of Canaan when Israel began to conquest of the land. He shook, hereafter the prophecy, he would shake the Persians, the Grecians, and the Romans. In the last days, the Bible says that nation will rise against nation. There will be wars and rumors of wars, and we are seeing a shaking right now in the landscape of the Middle East, and now we see Russia with that hook and that jaw being drawn into it. We see right now the U.S. beginning to ally with Israel in a way that is putting us on the very chopping block with the crosshairs of Iran and Iraq, Lebanon and Syria, and all of the surrounding countries and the coalition of those armies, those nations rising against nation with Israel at the very epicenter of all in time prophecy. Ladies and gentlemen, can I tell you something? God is shaking this world up. He is shaking the nations. And in this shaking of the nations, there is coming a king who will descend from on high and he will take back this planet. He will remove the God of this world. He will annihilate the armies of the Antichrist. And the look at the prophecy right here. Look at verse number seven. Look at verse number seven. And I will shake all nations and the desire of all nations shall come. God is going to shake this world and every nation in this world so much so that the Jews and the unbelieving nations of the world will turn to Jesus and he will become the desire of all humanity. Every eye will see him, every mind will know him, and every heart in repentance will believe upon him and be saved. Pastor Derek, what are you saying? I'm saying we might live in a world right now where people mock him, they ridicule him, they reject him, they criticize him, they hate him, and they blaspheme him. But I want you to know, good God Almighty, there is coming a day when Jesus will finally shake this world one last time. The crown will be placed upon his brow, and he will be held as King of kings and Lord of lords, and all the world will desire him. God told me to tell you there's coming a day where as our king, he will be desired more than any other federation, coalition, world power, any other government. There will not be a name like his name. There will not be a person or a power or an office like him. He will be the only one, the undefeated, the reigning champion of all of glory. I need somebody to help me go to church if you believe the desire of all nations is coming.
I just set you up. I just set you up because God told me to tell you that he will shake things until Jesus is all you want. He will, listen, he will shake your life. He will shake your job. He will shake your marriage. He will shake your community. He will shake your church. He will shake your world until he is all that matters in your world. There's some people in this room that could testify with the pastor right now because you've been in the hand and you felt the shaking and it was God's way of getting your attention, waking you up and shaking you to in a place where he was your passion, your purpose, and your priority. I want to stop and say, God, I'm so thankful that I was in your hand and the grip was so much you that you shook me into a place where when Jesus was all that I had, Jesus was all that I needed. And when Jesus was all that I needed, Jesus was all that I wanted. Is he your desire today? Because God will shake your life until Jesus, until Jesus is all you want. God told me to tell you, if he can shake the heavens and he can shake the earth, and he can shake all nations. He can shake our church. He can shake your life. He can shake your preacher. And I want to report to you today that we are officially in a shaking season. Not nervous a lick. Read the smile on my face. We are in a shaking season, and the Lord is doing a work. Oh, my God, I've been waiting. I've been praying. I've been anticipating. I've been expecting. God, shake our church. He's shaking new grace. He's shaking you. He's shaking me. And I want you to know it's time to get ready for some more shaking. There's about to be a whole lot of shaking going on right here in Baldwin and in Commerce. If you believe that this morning? Somebody help me give him prayer. We're in a shaking season. Three, uh, four things that God is shaking in this season. Number one, God is shaking things down. Write that down. God is shaking things down. I, I, I looked up the slang definition of shakedown and said, well, I can't read that one. I'm going to look up the real definition of a shakedown. And shakedown means a radical change or restructuring in an organization or group. I say, Lord, shake it. Shake it down. Shake it down. Just shake the church down. Shake it all down. Shake it all down from the corporate side to the community side to the, to the staff side to the leadership side of the biblical. Shake it down. Shake it down. Restructure it. Reorganize it. This is your church. It ain't Derek Allen's church. It ain't some board's church. It ain't some council's church. This is your church. This is your church. So shake it down. Shake it down. Shake it down to where we are left with nothing but a pure, genuine, authentic place and people that is the living God's church. Shake us down to where unity prevails over division. Shake us down to where love triumphs over hate. Shake us down to where power replaces weakness. Shake us down to where Jesus be the foundation on which we stand. Shake us down to where Jesus is the head of the body. Shake us down to where he's the heartbeat in our chest. Shake us down to where he's the spirit. He's the reason for every single season. God, shake us down until Jesus is all we have left. And he's all the reason why we do what we do. Shake us down. God told me to tell you we're in a season where he's shaking things down. We're in a season where he's shaking things out. 
Lord, shake it out. Shake it out. My mind went to the biblical metaphors where the Lord told the prophet Amos, I shake my children as I, as I would shake wheat to sift wheat. The Lord told Simon Peter, he said, Satan had desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. When you sift wheat, you put it in a sieve or a strainer. In the finalization where you are sifting that wheat and you shake that wheat in that sieve or that strainer. And when you shake it, it shakes out all the dirt, all the debris, all the impurity, y'all ain't hearing me, all the impurity, everything that ain't wanted, everything that ain't needed, anything that ain't helpful, anything that ain't healthy, we, we, we just shake that wheat until all the chaff and all the debris falls out of it. God told me to tell you that it is time for God to shake down and shake out new grace, to shake out this church body, to shake out this congregation, to shake out what he is doing right here, right now, to shake out apathy, to shake out negativity, to shake out slander and gossip and carnal curiosity, to shake it out to where there ain't nothing left but an authentic move of God and the power of the Holy Ghost has the liberty to work in people's lives and blow our minds. God, shake it down. God, shake it out. God told me to tell you this is the season where we're shaking things off. Lord, shake it off. Just shake it off. My mind went to Acts chapter 28. Paul was aboard a ship with 200 plus other crewmen and they shipwrecked on the island of Melita. And the Bible says there was a barbarous group of people there on that island and they were very kind to the soldiers and the prisoners and the crewmen and they built them a fire. And you know how Paul is. He can't be a, con he can't be a consumer. He's got to be a contributor. So Paul goes and he gets a bundle of firewood and he goes over to the fire and when he goes to toss the firewood into the fire, the Bible, the Bible says that a viper, a venomous snake jumped out of the firewood and bit him on the hand and fastened. And the Bible says everybody standing around that fire said, oh my, that joker's about to drop dead. We've seen that snake, and we've seen that kind of snake bite, and from our, from, from our experience, everybody that ever gets bit by that kind of snake dies. Set your watches, gentlemen, because it won't be long, and the man of God's about to fall over. But the Bible says that Paul shook off the beast into the fire. Y'all ain't hearing me. He shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. God told me to tell you that we are at a point in our church where when we are bit by the enemy, when we are attacked by the serpent, when we are under satanic oppression, that we have got to get to a point where we shake off what the enemy's trying to do to us, where we shake off the powers of darkness. I'm talking about shake. I'm talking about I can say it in a way that Tay-Tay can't say. I'm talking about shaking it off. Shaking off false spirits, fearful spirits, familiar spirits, curses being lifted, spells being broken, hexes, vexes. I'm talking about shaking it off. Come on, somebody just shake it off with me. Just shake it off. I'm talking about being overcomers. I'm talking about being conquerors. I'm talking about you are the head and not the tail. You are above and not beneath. Who am I preaching to in this house? Shake it off. Lord, shake things out. Shake things off. God brought me over here today to tell you in a parting word that we are in a season. Listen to me. I'm trying to minister to you. I'm trying to be a pastor right here. We are in a season where it is time 
for God to shake things up. We are in a season where it is time for God to shake things up. And the Lord told me in my spirit this week, he said, go buy a bottle of your favorite drink. Go, show, go, go stand in front of the church with your favorite drink, the nectar of the Elohim. Where I believe in the new Jerusalem at the river of life. Vic, I believe God's going to give me a gospel goblet and I'll be able to go out there on my back patio and dip my gospel goblet in the river of life and drink the nectar of the Elohim. Somebody say amen right there. He said, you need to go stand in front of your church and you need to do what the bottle says. You need to shake it. I said, Lord, they're going to think I've lost my mind. They know we're going through a lot. They're going to think he's really lost it. He said, no, show them the bottom of the bottle because all the good stuff that makes you who, you who, it's settled at the bottom. And you can't benefit from what I put in that bottle if it's all settled at the bottom. And the only way you're going to mix it up and the only way you're going to move it is if you learn how to shake that thing up. God brought me over here to tell you a lot of y'all done settled down. A lot of your peace done settled down. A lot of your praise done settled down. A lot of your grace done settled down. A lot of your joy done settled down. A lot of your help done settled down. But God brought me over here today to tell you it's time to shake it up. Shake it up. Shake up our faith. Shake up our fight. And shake up our fire. I need somebody to help me go to church. My God, some of y'all done settled down. You done settled down, and God wants you to get shaken up. Oh, I ain't done yet. I ain't done yet. I ain't done yet. We, 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 we just trying to ride. We just trying to trend. We trying to flow right now. Listen to me. Listen to me. God told me to th- shake up three things. It's time to shake up our faith. Because a lot of us have a settled faith, and it's been a long time since you asked God for the uncommon or the abnormal. And God wants you to, he wants you to chase him with a relentless pursuit. And he wants, you to get, he wants you to develop a desperate dependence. And it's been a long time since you prayed some crazy stuff. And God told me he's shaking your faith up in this season. God told me to tell the men of our church that he has shaken up your fight. Listen to me, listen to me. This, this, this vanilla wafer eating, limp-wristed, panty-waist-wearing, meek Christianity that some of us are sporting, God told me to tell you it's time to get your backbone like a saw log, stand your ground, and declare war on the enemy that's trying to take your family apart, take your family down, corrupt your mind, and tear this church apart. And what we need is some men who will be shaken by the hand of a holy God, and they will take a territorial stance. They'll get in the trenches shoulder to shoulder, side by side, heart by heart, head by head, soul by soul, and we will stand our ground under the armor of the Holy God, and we will fight for our family, fight for our church. Do I have any men in this room? Where is the thunderous billows of a praise that says, I am a soldier? Glory, glory. I feel the Holy Ghost helping me right now. Shake things up, Lord. Shake up our faith. Shake up our fight. Lastly, lastly, Lord, shake up our fire. Our fire has settled. Our fire has settled. 
Oh, I'm going to, God, I'm going to help you next week. My God, I'm going to so help you next week. Lord, Lord is my help. I'm going to help you next week. But we ain't there next week. We got to shake, we got to shake things up. Before we do the rest, before we see the rest of the prophecy, we, we got to, we got to let God shake some things up. And God told me to shake up our fire in such a way that we stop walking in here with a got to mentality and we start walking in here with a get to mentality. God said, I am ready for my people to enter my courts with praise. I'm ready for people to walk into my presence with gladness. This winged on pickle juice look like your mow-in-law moved in, knuckles dragging the ground, pooch lip syndrome is over. We're done. We're not going to walk in here and look for somebody to turn into a spiritual AED and bring us back to life. We're going to come in on two wheels. We're going to be skipping on one foot and we're going to come in here and praise the pain off these walls because we're saved. We're heaven bound with the hammer down and we've got reason to rejoice. I ain't playing. I ain't, I ain't playing. I ain't playing. Listen to me. We're going we to shake up. We're going to let God shake up a fire. And we're, and we're going we're gonna to start letting the spirit of liberty have his way in this place. Here's the word God gave me. Quench no more. We're so close. We're real close. We're real close. I can, I can see it. I can see it. It's, it's pushing through the dam. We're getting close. We're getting close. Look right here. Don't let, don't let anything distract you. They're not going to steal nothing. They're, go, they're about to play. Just, just, it's okay. It's okay. They ain't doing nothing wrong in there. Listen to me. Listen to me. Look up here. God wants us to quench no more his spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5.19, quench not the spirit. Quench not the spirit. The Holy Spirit can be grieved. Grieving the Holy Spirit is when there's something that God is urging you not to do in sin, but you do it anyway. All of you know what I'm talking about when you grieve the Spirit of God. You sin against God because God's saying, don't do this, don't do it. You don't have to do that. You don't have to look. You don't have to say it. You don't have to think it. You don't have to send it. You don't, don't do it. Don't do it. And you do it anyway. It's grieving the Holy Spirit. Quenching the Holy Spirit is when God is telling you to do something and you don't do it. The word quench means extinguish. We just learned this in my discipleship class. The word quench means extinguish. It means that the Spirit of God is started and is stirring a fire in you. And the word of the Lord is, do not extinguish what I'm doing. The time where I see this the most is in worship and during the word. You forget that I sat where you sat and I felt what you felt and I've thought what you've thought. And there was times in my life where I wanted to worship the Lord, where the Spirit of God was urging me to get out of my seat even when nobody else had come and get down on an altar and pray. And I didn't do it. Times when the Spirit of God was moving on my soul and my in worship I felt like raising my hands and I felt like looking up beyond everybody else in the room and just telling God what I thought of him and, and I extinguished what the Spirit was speaking. Have you ever done that? I've done that. I remember not long after I got saved, I was in an old-fashioned, fundamental, conservative, legalistic, King James-loving, sin-hating, devil-chasing, Jesus-preaching-hate-everybody church. And we would sit, the preacher boys would sit on the front row. 
And it, it, let me tell you something. We were a lively church, but we didn't. We never stood on our feet. The only time we stood on our feet was during the hymnals. The hymnals. I was so confused when I first got to church. They said, we're going to sing a hymn. I'm like, hymn who? Which of these guys is going to sing? We're going to sing a hymn. And everybody would stand up for the congregational. And then during the special music, they'd sit down while the choir sang or a trio would sing. And everybody just sit down. And we would we'd say, amen. Yes. That's right. That's right. And, and usually it was just the men. Amen. And every now and then one of the ladies would be like, bless him, Lord. Bless him, Jesus. And the preacher would get up there, and boy, he'd preach with fire and conviction and authority and boldness. And buddy, we'd sit there and be like, amen. That's right. You're right. Amen. Preach. We didn't clap because we were so conservative. We were told that applause was too worldly, like we were applauding the man. Even though the Bible says, clap your hands, all you people, laud him, applaud him. We didn't clap our hands. And nobody ever stood up. When they agreed with what he was preaching, they bore witness with what he preached. Nobody ever stood up. Amen means I agree. And it was, it was this bearing witness of what he was preaching. And I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to, because if I went to a baseball game or a football game, I'd be on my feet. If I'm in my living room and I get all three numbers right, come on somebody. There's a lot of things that would get me to my feet. And here this man is preaching about a God who loved me in spite of me, who reached into my hell and pulled me up and made me a citizen of heaven. And I'm, I'm sitting there like shaking me up. And we took a group of people, about 16, to North Augusta, South Carolina, to a youth rally. This church had 1,500 students packed in it. A choir of 150 teenagers singing the house down. I would later go to Bible college at this very place. I remember sitting there on the second row with my group of fundamental brethren. They were singing, and in between the songs, they would let young men who had been called to preach in the college come up and exhort or testify. And in between the songs, they would preach like a semi-sermon in like 30 to 60 seconds. Just set it ablaze. And I mean, I'm just sitting there loving every bit of it. Everything they're doing is just shaking me to the core. And I'm sitting there with my group. Amen. Amen. Glory. Yes. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. I mean, I wasn't that spiritual. I was like, hot dog. Yeah. Hallelujah. And one of them guys, while they were singing, in the, inner, in, the, in the bridge of that song, he got to preaching. And he got to coming down them steps testifying. And I bore witness so much, and I could feel the Spirit of God stirring in my soul. And all I wanted to do was get on my feet. And I didn't know how to look the part. I didn't know how to sound the part. I just jumped up with everything in me. T, I jumped up, I said, Woo! You already up, what you gonna do? Like a bird standing up in the nest with the wind blowing. Everybody on my row.
I made my decision right then and there that I wasn't going to let nobody, no atmosphere, quench what the Spirit of God was stirring inside of me. So you know what I did? I took that fire and I went back to El Road Baptist Church and that Sunday on the very first time they sang a song, you better believe it, honey, I jumped up to my feet. I let out a hallelujah. I let out a glory. I let out a amen. I didn't hold back. I didn't stuff it down. I didn't suffocate it. I gave him my best praise. I gave him my best glory. I gave him an amen. Do I have anybody in the room that would help me right now? Quench no more. Quench no more. Don't you start it. Don't you stomp it out. Let the Spirit of God stir in that place. Mm, God told me to tell you. God told me to tell you. He's going to shake it up. Listen to me. He's going to shake up the fire until your flesh is forgotten. I've said it for years. If you don't embarrass your flesh, you don't worship. If you don't embarrass your flesh, you don't worship. If you don't make you look bad, you didn't worship. If you still got all your mascara, you didn't worship. If your hair don't come unglued, or your weave don't fall out, or your clothes don't get tattered, if your shirt don't get wrinkled, if there ain't no sweat on your brow, if, bless God, you ain't soaked down to your socks, you might not have had church. I don't know about you, but I'm not ready for God to shake this thing up to another level where the fire of God falls afresh. Don't let me settle down. We, 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 want God to, we want God to shake things up until the fire of praise starts breaking loose in this place. Don't you ever come to don't you ever come here on a Sunday horse because you gave the dogs your best. Yelling at a TV from your recliner when they don't even know you exist. And there's a God sitting in heaven that knows your name and he's counted the hair on your head. He's put clothes on your back, gas in the tank and shoes on your feet. He wrote your name down in the Lamb's book of life. You ought to try it right now. Yeah, you ought to try it. You ought to praise him. You ought to bless him. You ought to turn it loose. Don't damn the river now. Don't damn the river now. I need somebody in this house. My God, I need somebody in the house. Bless him. Praise the Lord. Yes, Lord. I'm no longer bound. Come on, somebody stand up and sing it. There's no more chains holding me. My soul is resting. Sing it, JJ. Oh, what a blessing. Yes. Oh, yes. And praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm free. Come on, raise your hands. Y'all sing it with me. Here we go. Yes, I'm free. Praise the Lord. I'm free. Yeah, shake it up. Shake up that fire. I'm no longer bound. Come on. If God's done set you free, you need to act like it. If He sets you loose, you need to get loose. Oh, what a blessing. Yes, Lord. Come on. Praise Come on. The Lord. Come on. Hallelujah. Freedom is in this I'm place. Free. Freedom is in this place. Yes, Come on, church. I'm free. Yes. Yes, praise <laughs> the Lord. I'm free. Sing it, JJ. I'm no longer bound. 
There's no more chains holding me Cause my soul is resting Yes, Lord what Oh, a what a blessing What a blessing Praise the Lord <laughs> Praise the Lord Yeah, 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 yeah Praise the Lord Praise the Lord. You want to try it? You want to try it? Praise the Lord. Sing Come it again, on. JJ, say it again. Say it again. Praise the Lord. With all that is in me. Praise the Lord. Let everything that hath breath. Praise the Lord. Like you believe he's worthy. Praise the Lord. Shake it up and shake Hallelujah. it loose. Hallelujah. I'm, I'm free. free. <laughs> hey, hey, hold that thought right there, Jackson. Hold that thought. I want to show you something. I have to shake this if I want what's inside to be affected. The reason I have to shake it is because it is not open. If it was open, I could stir it from within. But because it's still closed off, I got to use an external force to bring it into submission because this done got settled on me and I can shake it up one Sunday and by the next Sunday it's all settled but if, if, I, if I will let the external first force of my circumstances and situations if I will let God use those to shake me up and he shakes up my faith and he shakes up my fight and he shakes up my fire I can taste and see mm. <laughs> that the Lord is good you know the Holy Ghost made this because the water it's made of water not milk that water right there will keep you hydrated and the chocolate will keep you, will keep you happy You know, what God, you know what God's trying to do in our church? He's trying to shake up a fire in this body of believers that's not, that's not quenched. And we will stay in the altars until we've heard from God. And we will stand on our feet more than we sit in our seat. And we will clap our hands and we will raise them until our arms get tired. The flesh is weak, but I got a spirit that is willing. And God wants to get that back. He wants to get you back to a place where tears roll down your cheeks. He wants to get you back to a place where you praise him with all of your being and all of your body. Why? God is shaking things because the best is yet to come. And he wants to get you open. He wants to get you open to what he has for you. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcatcher. New episodes are posted each week on Tuesday.